You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. After 26 weeks, we ended our series on Romans. Yeah! You loved every moment of those 26 weeks. I know it. Okay, all right. Romans is a hard thing to preach on. I was excited that we were finally able to do that together. I don't know about you. You might feel more confused than ever, but I've got more clarity than I've ever felt, and that feels good for me. So thank you for letting me to preach through that. Um, Anytime I feel more clarity on any book of the Bible, it helps me with understanding all the different kinds of things I'm preaching. We're now going to hop into a new series over the next uh, few weeks or so, um, next few months or so, that are going to be about cleaning sacred space. And this is in relation to us. We are sacred space, right? Throughout the Bible, there are different areas of sacred space. In the beginning of the Bible, um, it's Eden. This is God's holy temple, but it's, it, it's not just, it doesn't just start with Eden. Eden is always meant to be like a, a mirroring, a shadow is what Hebrews calls it, of the real temple where God is in the heaven of heavens. So Eden was supposed to be like a earthly shadow of that thing. And then God moved from Eden after we were kicked out. He moved to a tabernacle, which was then a shadow of Eden, which was a shadow of that thing. And then it moved to Solomon's temple, which was a permanent fixture that was like the old tabernacle, that was like Eden. (laughs) All these things shadowing the real thing in heaven. And then it went from there, not to the new temple that Herod built, But it went to the man who entered that temple, Jesus himself. Jesus then became the temple. He was a sacred space where God's presence dwelled. Jesus was the shadow of the real thing. And then it went from there, Paul says, to us Christians. We now are sacred spaces. We are God's holy temple. We are the pillars of the sacred space where where God dwells. That's us. We're sacred space. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. But throughout the Bible, you catch glimpses of physical locations being places where God shows up sometimes. I just gave you a few of them. Anybody know any others that come to mind? Places where God shows up throughout the Bible? What was it? A bush, bush, fiery bush. Yep, that's one. Caitlin? Huh? With Paul? With Paul? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, God meet, Jesus meets him in the, uh, uh, it's hard to fully explain what happens in that moment, but Jesus meets him there, yep. Uh, throughout the Old Testament for a while, it was trees. If you watch Abraham's story closely, he's always moving by trees where God shows up by the Oaks of Moray or these other places. Uh, Even when Abraham moves to new places, he always plants a tree because he's used to running into God at trees. So that becomes kind of like a a way of trying to uh, meet God in sacred space. But you also see other moments where we stumble across sacred spaces on the earth. And I know that sounds weird to us, especially because we're always saying, well, God's omnipresent. God's everywhere. And yeah, I get that. There's nothing God's missed. God is here just as much as everywhere else. But there is a special 
more intense, more dense manifestation of God in some sacred spaces. This is when the Bible talks about his glory. In Hebrew, what glory means is heaviness, kabod. It's the heaviness of God. You ever wonder why people get slain in the spirit when God comes on them? It's too heavy. (laughs) That's what happens to the priests when they're in the tabernacle, when the cloudy presence of God, the Shekinah glory moves into Solomon's temple. It says the priests could not stand to minister. Why? The kabod is on them. The heaviness of God is on them. There's a weight of glory, as C.S. Lewis says. It's heavy. You can feel it. Sometimes you can sense that during a worship service. A certain heaviness comes on. And then ironically, sometimes a lightness. (laughs) But whatever the case may be, those are moments of God's manifest glory where something more intensely happens as his spirit comes upon people. That's happened all throughout history. That's happened within our own movement in free Methodism, back to Methodism. Uh, back into the early church, right? The, the glory of God coming on the early church at Pentecost and, and invading them. Sometimes people throughout the Bible would stumble across these more sacred places. Take Jacob, for example. Jacob is walking and then he stops somewhere and lies his head down on a nice little pillow or rock in his case. And he sleeps on that rock. And as he's sleeping, he has a dream that there is a ladder with the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself, standing all the way at the top. And angels are ascending and descending upon this ladder, which should take you back to Jesus in the Gospels, who says, one day you will see the angels ascending and descending upon me. That's all the more reason you see him in the angel of the Lord figure at the top. Jacob wakes up and he's like, oh, this is sacred space. I'm sleeping in sacred space. And so Jacob builds a a monument right there to worship God. There's other times in Jacob's story where he stumbles across entire camps of angels. (laughs) You have these moments and they, they weird us out because we're not used to thinking of supernatural locations within a physical earth mindset, especially with us being enlightened people. But all throughout the Bible, you have these weird sacred spots physical locations on the earth where God shows up. And theologically, that's you. You are Jesus' body where God shows up on the earth. Now, with all that being said, um, I feel like there are some people who have a special discernment to kind of sense out those sacred spaces because there are those sacred spaces where God dwells, but there are also those, those unsacred spaces where you come across contact with Um, demons and things like that. Uh, So, for example, I've got a friend, I've shared the story before, but when she uh, drives into Jackson, she's a pastor out in uh, another part of Michigan, but she used to live around here. When she drives into Jackson, she talks about just feeling like she instantly needs to throw up. (laughs) And I know that throws us off because we live here. Like, what are you talking about? But, like, I think I can remember that kind of darkness when I moved into this general area that yeah there, there was a certain kind of like atmosphere that's hard to really put into words but this person really seemed to have that discernment of of spirits where they could just kind of sense it when they walk in the room maybe you've had that before i know it sounds weird but maybe there's a store you've walked into and there's almost like this instant feeling the moment you walk in the room something's a little off here or you've gotten a little too close to some of the weirder occult books in a bookstore somewhere and instantly there's this like feeling to back away. 
Maybe you don't. Maybe I'm just the only weirdo here. But like that, that kind of moment right there, that's a sensing of, of spiritual spaces and recognizing that we're walking into spaces where, where things need to be uh, prayed over, where things need to be cast out. And you have those spaces, I think, throughout the Bible as well. That's probably what the high places to the false gods were throughout the Old Testament. Those were unsacred spaces. But spaces, nonetheless, where they tried to usher in false entities, demons, false gods, things like that. That's what idols were. Idols were not just rocks that people are like, aha, I have built a god and now I shall kneel to it. No, idols were, aha, I have built something that a god looks like and I've now tried to move that god inside of this thing and he can use this as a storage locker and I will kneel before that. Essentially what they've done is they've built an unsacred space and they've tried to make a manifest place where a false entity can dwell. And so maybe you have that kind of sense sometimes when you see people falling prey to those unsacred things or you sense it when you stay somewhere. I got a friend who stayed at a hotel one night and just both him and his wife in the middle of the night jolted awake by the same thing. Not there, but something haunting them. What had happened in this room before? No idea, but it caught their attention. Uh heard other stories like that as well actually close by at spring arbor they bought this old house because spring arbor always buys any house that goes for sale in spring arbor (laughs) and uh um uh for a while there things would turn on and off fans lights all kinds of things and so they sent my good friend ken brewer over to pray over the house he always talks about feeling like ghostbusters that day but he goes in prays over the house all those things stop from that day on And when you look into the history of that house, you realize that there was a murder that took place right before Spring Arbor bought it. When bad things, dark, dark, bad things happen in places, it tends to leave behind spiritual residue to dwell in that place. And as Christians, we have the authority to cast those kinds of things out. We can walk in and say that this house now belongs to us. This house is now under my jurisdiction, and therefore it belongs to Jesus. And so anything that is in here has to go. I know it sounds weird when you're talking about haunted houses and things like that, but it's not that strange when you look at the places throughout history that are always known to be like the most haunted, like former prisons. Well, of course, you know the kinds of things that happen in these places where dark, dark stuff happens. It tends to leave behind spiritual residue that needs to be cleaned out. There's been uh, times where I've been uh, called on to go to houses and pray over them. This is actually a common thing. If you were to go through like a Catholic uh, book of prayer, like in the back, you're going to find prayers for houses. (laughs) Because this is something that the church has been doing for a long time. That when we buy a house, we don't know what happened there before. So let's go in. And let's clean it out. Let's pray over it. Let's remove anything that's, that's still there. And there's been several times. That's, that's actually how I met Maisha before she was hired here. I was told to go pray over her house. I looked like a crazy person. But Maisha was into it, so it was totally fine. Uh, but I got there and I prayed over their house. There was nothing weird happening before, but it was just a cleansing. Other times, there have been weird things happening. We had a kid who was having these crazy dreams, uh, nightmares of someone who apparently looked like someone who used to live there before. So whatever was going on there, me, Mark Van Valen, and Dr. Wubba from Spring Arbor. Did I say that right? I never said that right. Did I? Okay, cool. We all went together and we prayed over the house. Uh, 
did anything happen? I don't remember because I didn't catch up with them after, but I do remember uh, Mark saying that he had touched base with them and it sounded like things were maybe a little better. I'm not sure, but we recognize like, it seems like this is a space where something might be dwelling. So let's cast it out. Let's remove it. Let's clean this space and help turn it into sacred space. Uh, and that's things that happen in physical locations and it's things that happen with us. Sometimes we need to clean ourselves out to make our spaces uh, all the more so given over to the Holy Spirit. And that's the kind of things that we'll be talking over some of the upcoming weeks. Um, but these, these kind of moments happen. There's a guy named uh, David Appleby. Uh, he talks about when he bought his house. Um, they moved in. And his wife had felt something when she went to the basement, like something touched her shoulder. So they're like, okay, let's go ahead and pray over the whole house. So they went and they prayed and they anointed every single room, every window, everything. And they just prayed room by room and told anything that was there to leave. And he remembers getting to the basement. He approaches this door. And as he approaches it, he feels all of his hair stand up. And then he steps away and it goes down, steps back, comes back goes back goes back and then he just said to himself there you are sucker <laughs> and so he anointed that spot cast it out and then it was gone and they didn't have any problems after that moment uh i've seen uh this space this space to me seems to be a sacred space for for god to come and dwell i noticed because one time i was casting out a demon here and one of the words that it used was uh i just want to burn this place to the ground it's weird how God encourages you sometimes. <laughs> I just remember hearing that statement like, yeah, yeah, demons want to burn this place to the ground. All right, we're doing our job. We're doing our work. We're a powerful force in the spiritual realm. Yeah, okay. But that, that kind of moment right there, that's a moment to like recognize like spaces where we come together and we bring healing and we bring the body of Jesus and we bring the sacred space and we, we have God enthroned upon our praises. Like those are spaces where God comes and inhabits and dwells and marries and lives in. And when we create those spaces for him, well, then we create the chance for a ministry to change. What, what a blessing we could be to our, our community right here, that in the midst of darkness, and it's, it's not just like darkness that was once there, it's a continued darkness. We've actually seen it grow. I remember uh, when we were first doing surveys about what we could do with our warehouse, right across this line, there seemed to be a big difference. People on that side of Greenwood would say, we would like less drug houses, less gunshots, less, you know, just a list of horrible things happening. And then on the other side of Green was like, eh, it could be a little quieter. But then over the last like five years as I've lived here, gunshots are all over the place. It's become common to when you hear a gunshot at night, you're trying to figure out, is that another Jackson firework or did someone just get shot? I don't know. Should I call the police or no? If I call the police, will they just be like, are you sure that wasn't a firework? Which happened to me once. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's hard to tell sometimes. <laughs> There is a growing darkness. And there is even, I would say, um, with the pandemic, much of the world has had a certain dimness come to it. Jesus talks about how our hearts, one day the things would be so bad that our hearts would just grow cold. And I don't think that this is the end time. I mean, biblically, everything since the New Testament is the end times. 
But I'm not saying like, oh, Jesus is coming back any moment. I mean, biblically, Jesus is coming back any moment. <laughs> but all that being said, um, I think the pandemic has, has coldened hearts. It's hardened hearts even more. I think it's all the more reason you start hearing more stories. You start hearing more gunshots. And even, even uh, large, large groups of people sometimes give in to these false entities. When you look through history and you look at some of the stories of what happened, your mind is just blown. Like the darkness of the cross of Jesus. How did humanity ever get to that level of darkness? Who would think that it made any sense to literally nail someone to a tree and leave them there to die? You know who thought of that? It's Satan. Because Satan was the one who put him there. Remember? Satan enters into Judas. Judas puts Jesus up on the cross. That was all a ploy of Satan. You look at things like Germany. Like uh, Wonder Woman, I think, is a, a, a beautiful example of like spiritual warfare. I'm not saying that Wonder Woman's real. Sell down her. But I'm just saying like in that latest Wonder Woman, not the latest, two, three Wonder Womans ago, whatever. Mark, help me out. You know all movies. <laughs> The first one uh, in that Wonder Woman movie, you have almost like an entire nation that's given into darkness as though they've given into the, a false God of sorts. This used to be Martin Luther's Reformation. This is the country of revival turned into Nazis. When you look at Rwanda. The people of Rwanda, they, they report, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what happened. Just someone handed me a hatchet and told me to go kill my neighbors and I did it. How? How does that kind of thing happen? It's, it's like beyond just a physical thing. There's another state. I think this is what worries me so much with like the rise of Trumpism. Not so much just Trump, but like those who just made it a blind religion and made him a messiah. I'm like, this is happening all over again. If you treat this man as a false messiah under a false god, you will find yourself blinded in all those ways and give in to all those things all over again. How many people in the church within Germany, within Rwanda, within uh, the, the messianic Trumpist movement did that over and over again? We have to be awake to spiritual climates and atmospheres, lest we fall prey to them too, even in the church. Jesus himself so that some of the saved might even give in. It almost seemed to blow his mind as though that could be a possibility, but at the same time he admitted that that could happen. So with all these things in mind, um, I know that tonight's message sounds a little otherworldly or ethereal, but uh, I thought we would just spend the rest of our time, and let me see what time it is. Does anybody have the time? 6.52. 6.52. I thought we'd spend the next... 10-ish minutes, just kind of praying over 1208. And a, a big part of the reason that this came to my mind is because I was talking with the, the conference. We're part of the Free Methodist Church, Southern Michigan Conference. Um, and one of them there who actually started CAV, Dustin Weber, he's now our assistant superintendent. He was talking about how when they started CAV, like there's this great momentum. And then it was just like lost, as though like a spiritual attack of sorts. And he talked about how, you know, Jamin, that seems to be a cycle. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. I look back over the last decade, this church has been split in half, I think, four times. Usually over some drama. Most recently over the pandemic. 
And that wasn't necessarily a split. That was just kind of like a, a loss of total momentum. And when I look at the last, I guess, 20-ish years now of this building, I recognize that we're in the midst of growing darkness, but we are a light in that space to the point that demons would want to burn us to the ground. Amen. Right? But at the same time, we have a lot of a spiritual atmosphere to battle. And we recognize in our own story that we've fallen prey to it many times. So over the next 10 minutes, here's what I would invite you to do. You can move in groups. You can move individually, whatever you like to do. But just go room to room and just pray over it. Ask God to fill it. Ask anything that's there to be cleansed. I'm not aware of any demons hiding out in this building. (laughs) But sure, just ask God to cleanse anything that's here. Anything in the neighborhood, anything affecting us, and ask for greater presence and manifestation of the Holy Spirit to come and fill this place. That it would be a sacred space. Yes, I recognize that we are sacred space. We are the church, not the building. But the Bible also gives us plenty of space to see that physical locations sometimes become meeting places where the Holy Spirit really shows up. That's why we call Azusa Street Revival the Azusa Street Revival. (laughs) Because Azusa Street was where it went down. Uh, So with that being said, we're going to kind of just break out, go around, pray. Uh, We used to do this in youth group all the time. Brian Kono, before uh, service would start, he would have us go and pray over every chair and every person that would ever sit in that chair and and all of that. Um, So, yeah, touch a chair. Pray for it. Pray for the person who would be there. Go into the rooms. If you go into the nerd church room, there's a board game set up in there. Don't touch it. Don't pray for the board game. You'll mess it all up. But everything else, just lift it up, pray over it, and let's give this space over to God. And when you are done with that, you are welcome to uh, take off, and uh, we will catch you guys later. Uh, After I give you communion. Thank you, Pat. (laughs) All right, so uh, when you are ready, why don't you go ahead and come up and grab some communion, and then you can take off and and go pray over your spaces. So... um, On the night of his betrayal, Jesus took the cup, which represented his blood, and said, this is my blood poured out for you. And then he took the bread, which represented his body, and said, this is my bread broken for you. Take it and eat. Take and drink. So as you take these, allow Jesus to uh, fill you, and then go and fill this building with Jesus. Thanks.